Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of, of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. Today's episode is brought to you by Adventure Dice. Adventure Dice is an online dice shop based here in Vancouver, selling a variety of dice and other gaming accessories. Personally, I'm a big fan of their rolling trays and the Grounded Pixie Dice Set. Adventure Dice ships for free anywhere in Canada, and if you use the code DMV at checkout, you can get a 10% discount on your purchase. That's DMV for a nice discount on your new tabletop gear. Find the shop at adventuredice.ca and roll for adventure! Hey folks, welcome to another episode of DMs of Vancouver. Today we're talking to Rosemary Trevally. How's it going, Rosemary? Good, how are you? Good. You're doing well. Thanks oh. for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Um, so tell us uh, a bit about yourself, how you came to role-playing game. How I came to role Um. Okay, well, um, I'm an artist in Vancouver. I work in the animation industry as a background painter. Uh, so I guess I, I like always played video games as a kid, really. So I guess that's kind of like my first real like avenue into kind of like fantasy and role playing and gaming and stuff like that. Um, and then the first, I guess, role playing game that I actually played was probably D and D. Um, and it was a terrible experience oh, <laughs> as no. a teenager, and I did not play again for like ten years after that. <laughs> Because it was real bad, and the people I'm playing with were like no fun allowed, sort of thing. So it really turned me off of it actually for a while. But um, then I kind of got into playing uh, Magic: The Gathering, which isn't, I guess, uh, but that sort of like opened me back up into like tabletop games and that sort of thing. So, so that kind of bad experience when you're first starting out. I've heard so many stories like that online of people just being like, "Yeah, I got invited to a group because my friend or my significant other was playing, and I wanted to try it out." And then the DM turned out to be a total ass <laughs> or there would be one player who was a rules lawyer and ruined it for everybody but like the other players were like oh that's just jim mm-hmm. it's like but why do you put up with that like and and if what you did just like nope yeah, i mean i don't you. need this bye <laughs> yeah that's like that's the best advice that i think anybody can get when it comes mm-hmm. to D because I, I heard this on I don't remember, but it, the the best advice is no D and D is better than bad D and D. That's true. Because like for one, like if you're not having fun, then it's... well, like that's the thing. I mean, you suffering through it, you're not going to get like a life award from somebody for doing it. So it's like if it sucks, hit the bricks, right? Like just go. <laughs> yeah, and people who are like, well, oh, but they're my friends. It's like, yeah, but you don't want to resent your friends that's for true. making you do yeah. this thing that you hate. <laughs> Yeah, oh, man, like I, I've known quite a few, like some good friends of mine who tried to play in high school or whatever, and the people they tried to play with were just not welcoming. Um, and like, I think especially, you know, this is over 10 years ago at this point, and it, like, she was a woman, and like, it was mostly guys, and they just were not like respectful. Wow, that sucks. And like, that, like, I know, I've known so many people where that's their story. And, you know, some, some people come back to it, and that's amazing, and some people don't, and I totally understand why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. other things. Yeah. So you, you stayed away from for a while. And yeah, then you, for a while. You kind of came back through it gradually through getting into magic. For and yeah. All. And then, um, so I was living out in Halifax and I had some friends out there who were really into it. And, you know, like they were good friends of mine. We had like a similar, so I knew it wasn't going to be like way too intense. Sort of, you know what I mean? Because it's very hard to find a group that you mesh with, I find. Because different people, have, you know, somebody wants just wants to play out their like tolkien fantasy where they're aragorn and they slay whatever sort of thing and then other people just want to you know dick around and have a good time and don't really care so these guys were great um and that kind of got me back into it through that so i just played um like as a character you know whatever we had a good time and then uh when i moved back or not moved back moved to vancouver uh then you know we started talking to people and everyone was like oh, yeah, i'd really like to play but i don't really know how and i was like well i mean i kind of know but not really but who cares <laughs> so we got a group together and we started playing uh so i dm'd for I guess like a year so i just ran um what's it called mines of fandelver or whatever that yeah, one the yeah like, a, like a pre-made one yeah yeah uh so i i ran that one and so <laughs> we got to you know like we did 
the main campaign got to a point and then i was like i have enough courage like i'm gonna put in my own story sort of thing we're gonna start we're gonna so i started that we got like a month into it sort of thing and then i had a huge medical emergency where i was in the hospital for like two months so that kind of killed our game and then i didn't have the basically like the stamina to kind of like because okay um i have like a very specific gaming table that i've made at home i guess i should preface this story where um i painted like a chalkboard on it and that's how we draw like our sections onto it sort of thing so it's a lot of standing all that kind of stuff and i just couldn't physically do that after that and i was like very drained from all this therapy and other stuff and whatever so i kind of took a step back um and then my fiance craig he took over dming for a little while so we played for a bit um you know you know like play the game through whatever else and then i got this year i kind of got well i guess last year i got back into dming again so again i'm running a pre-made adventure that we're doing um Ghost of Saltmarsh, which is like a collection of small ones. The piratey ones, yeah, right? Pirate yeah, pirate yeah. <laughs> yeah. Th- This is a question I've actually got for both of you, because uh-huh. he, like Jesse has told me he's run a bunch of them, and you've run a couple. Mm-hmm. The only module I've run is the beginner's box. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason that it worked was that because it was such a small book, I could easily like just fold it over and be like, okay, this is where I am. But like, I've bought a couple of modules since then, and I've kickstarted a couple, and maybe it's just my style, but they just seem so dense like there is so oh, yeah, much I information just, in there. i'm like i don't like this i'm not doing it <laughs> i just skipped that part okay cool um so with a lot of the like modules around that are more modularly they're meant to only be for a session or two so they're they're a lot less dense um mm-hmm. usually they're adventure league ones which means they're like really built to be played very loosely at a game store in four or five hours mm-hmm. um i'm also running dragon heist which is like a proper like book but it's also meant to be it's like only five levels long and it's very modular and also like i just ignore the things i have no interest in doing and i know that my players will just like keep rping while i look stuff up mm-hmm. so no, there's never really a dead moment at the table yeah because like i looked at the like the dungeon of the mad mage and like the heist one and like i i've looked at them in stores and just i don't know what it is it just seems like there's it's in for me it's just information overload too mm-hmm. much in the book for me to sit down and just start reading it. The, the nice thing about the Salmer one is that it's a collection of like small that sort of are loosely tied over a narrative that you use to include or not and then also they have like a section that's just about ship battle and random tables of like playing shipwrecks and you know like coral caves and that kind of thing so you can kind of do whatever you want so it's a lot of information but it's not pertinent like you know it's like stay well, stay well, one lesson ahead of the student sort of thing so i just read a little bit ahead. well i'm gonna pick up the book now because of the ship battles and stuff it's but, very cool yeah but like even the um what's it called the one where there's the tavern over from the yawning portal yes that one even <laughs> that one um i it's a little bit easier for me to read but still like running one of those modules even though it's only like you know a part of the module that you want to run like the first adventure for level one to five like i still felt like it was a lot yeah and i mean i think that's why i don't i'm not super into like pre-written dungeon crawls partially because i feel like i need the map i need the map to be exactly what it is in the book and i don't want to draw it because i'm not an artist and also i'm lazy and also i only have so much time to prep in a week um so i tend to well i mean we me and you have talked about this that's why i'm starting to do more theater of the mind stuff anyway but um um yeah i don't i'm not a huge fan of the more dungeony ones like i um i've actually recently got to look at dungeon of the mad mage because our friend jay picked it up and i was looking at it and i was just like oh this is a nightmare (laughs) for me (laughs) But like even the other ones where it's more um, wander around the countryside fixing various problems, princes of the apocalypse. I, I don't know. It's just something about the way that modules are written. Just I see it and it's just a giant wall of text. And I'm like, nope, going back to my homebrew like, campaign. Y- you don't have to treat it as a Bible, though, right? Like, that's what I kind of try to remember is it's not you don't have to follow every single thing. You can pick and choose. And that's totally fine from it. I mean, I make notes. I cross stuff out. I mean, I'm never going to be able to resell them or whatever. But I mean, you know, I make notes. I cross stuff out. Sometimes I make mistakes where I combine two characters and I just write it down and try to remember. And I don't really worry too much if I because I mean, like. I'm God in this game, right? So what I say is right. And my players are never going to know that I'm like making all these mistakes. <laughs> I guess it's just like if I sat down and read through one of the books a bunch of times, like if I sat down with Prince of the Apocalypse and read it cover to cover like three or four times, be like, okay, cool. I get it now. It's just, I already did that for my homebrew campaign when I was coming up with everything. And yeah. I don't want to do it for a second world. I mean, that's a lot of homework to do, right? Yeah. Like not everyone's a professional DM. So yeah. you got to kind of use your time when you can. I also feel like that speaks to a really common criticism of those adventures, which is that 
the books that wizards write aren't fun to read they're they're very technical they're very dense so they're not like it is not necessarily at least for me enjoyable to read the dungeon master's guide i have not read big swaths of it because they're not relevant (laughs) or i can just make up how a trap works i i read through it once and i'm like cool i don't need most of this yeah well and that was the thing it's like i i know that because i've you know i played as just a player for like eight years before dming or whatever it was and i saw how often jason used that dungeon master's guide and it was not a lot (laughs) um because you know you look at it you figure out the things you need to do and you know usually the one of the other books will refer you to something if it's important. Um, what I would suggest to you, though, if you're interested in running modules, look for ones that are meant to only be a session or two, that are meant to be short, that you can work into your world without having I've to learn new details. I've actually picked up a bunch of books. Um, I can't remember who does them, but they're <laughs> like I, f- I found them at every local gaming store. I've got. Um, and they're they're small little books. They're meant they're adventures that are meant for a single level of like if your party is at level nine, you can use this adventure. And okay. it's they're short little like. Like they're meant to be like two maybe three sessions and like that's the level that i'm at but i one of the things that i wanted to say though is i think like thinking about the the official books that have been put out the ones that i've liked and been able to really dive into and be like yes all of this want it now are the setting guide the ones where it's not like here are dense pages of characters and maps and every encounter tediously written out to cover two and a half pages but Hey, here's a city. Here's some information about it. Do what you want. Mm-hmm. There's um, a line for it. They used to put out, I don't know if they still do, uh, World and Told magazine. It was like a DM oh, magazine. Man. And they would have like, um, like here's a little mini campaign. Like the one that I have is um, they go to like a ghost carnival, you know, and it's like for one session and there's all these like carnival games you have to make the players play. And you know, it's like little ones like that are super fun because sometimes you're like, all right, I don't really feel like doing some party bullshit this week. Let's go to a carnival, right? <laughs> Um, and you know, actually, that that speaks really well to the the point that I like to make. That you can, and that like lots of experienced dungeon masters make, where you can take those and use them. Because I took that very issue and used all of those <laughs> games in my campaign and something completely unrelated. Yeah. Um, and those books are great, and I'm very sad that they're being discontinued. Yeah, uh, I think they put together a collection though, so yeah. I, I want to get that. But in. yeah, they there's a whole. Thing, yeah, I heard. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, but the books that exist are really good, and they are collecting them all. I just and I have them all, so you can borrow them if you really want to. <laughs> I just like I bought the, the the when I think it was Cobalt Press, maybe did um, they took the the keep on the Borderlands and like redid it for fifth edition, and I bought that book because it's like. It's not the original one, but it's kind of a piece of history. Like, it's one of the first modules ever made for D&D. Mm-hmm. And I bought it, and I'm like, yes, I'm going to run this sometime. And it sat on my shelf for, like, months at a time, and then I'll, like, take it down and be like, some other time. <laughs> you know, like... I really like the idea of those ones, but the ones that always worry me about being translated from old adventures is that they might have a kind of the more old school, like original mindset for how to run dungeons, which is more like, yes, you do the dungeon and then you go and sell the treasure and then you come back and do the dungeon and that's it. And it's easy to add stuff to that. But like, I, I think I would feel very like, I don't think it suits my players. Yeah. Um, I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> well uh, I think you've hit a couple of times. I think we've both actually all hit a couple of times on how we sometimes run without knowing every rule and stuff like that. Um, and especially your your kind of uh, you, what you've how long have you been DMing? All told, it's like just a couple I'm years. Like, right? Yeah, a couple years maybe. Yeah. And like too- I think that is a thing a lot of people get stuck on when they come to the game is like especially like a way that doesn't me just ramble for ages. <laughs> um, I think. A, a lot of people find it hard to get into DMing because they think, oh, I have to be running for this many years before I'm good. And B, a lot of people have trouble getting into DMing because they're like, oh, I need to know all the rules. You don't. Not true. No, not at all. You super do not, in in my opinion. Anyways, I think also that people get caught up in like, I need to be someone that has, you know, a special and all these minis and know all the rules and do a thousand voices and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, no, you just need, you know, get some together and you figure it out as you go. I have a thousand minis because I have a problem, not because I need them. And I have a thousand minis because I inherited them from a gaming group and I don't use them. I have, I have half of my minis are like bottle cap tokens and chickens. So I mean. <laughs> I, and I don't even get to use them anymore because I don't play around a table anymore. I play online now. Oh, yeah. Which bothers my girlfriend to no end. Because <laughs> I, I got this like big roller thing from Ikea that's got all these nice drawers and it's all full of minis. Mm-hmm. And it sits under my desk and I never get to touch it. 
<laughs> yeah, mine and, is pushing a clone. And every time yeah. I go to a gaming store to just look at what new books are out, I'll like I'll slowly turn and look at the like all of the boxes full of minis, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I want to. And she'll be like, No, <laughs> you don't need them. I'm like, but I want them. It's even worse that I have like half of the ones that I have I bought for Reaper and are unpainted, and it's like I'll, I'll paint those. I think the few that I have that are like actual game minis are also unpainted. Like some that don't even have bases. I mean, it goes back to <laughs> when just I use whatever when I played Warhammer 40k as a young lad, and I had an army that was mostly. It's just like <laughs> I don't care. They're they're glued onto the bases now. I can play. This is all good. But um, yeah, when it comes to DMing, like half of the time i don't know what's going and it's just like when i started running when i ran the beginner's box i had like the beginner's box comes with i think like there's just a book that's like the intro to the rules like here's the basic stuff you need to know and then there's the book that's the like the module what's going on and i think i spent a lot of time in the first few sessions like paging through that the like intro to the rules to make sure i understood what was going on but after a while i realized that Everybody understands how combat works, so I don't need to worry about that. And also, there are way too many things going on. Like, <laughs> if you've got a, a wizard and a barbarian and a fighter and a monk and a whatever, like, it's not on you, the DM, to understand how that all works. Like, you can make a ruling if the player is like, I don't know how this works. You're like, it works like this. And yeah. on you go, because exactly. it doesn't really matter. No, it's because I mean, the, at the end of the day, they're in it for... Well, in my opinion, and why I'm in it a lot of the time when I'm playing these games is because you want those cool moments of like, we solved this puzzle, you know, encountered this like interesting character that we talked to a while, that sort of thing. It's not like you remember we burned that second level spell. <laughs> like no one says that, right? So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like I think sometimes somebody, like there might be a moment that comes out during combat of like, oh, you like totally saved all our lives by using that spell in a really smart way or mm-hmm. like you used your barbarian thing to do that other thing and it's like yeah sometimes that happens but in my experience and from what i've seen online as well like watching critical role like the combat is kind of the most boring part of that show (laughs) i mean they still make it entertaining because they're all voice actors well i think that's a great example too because in the first season like marcia never knows what she's doing and she's still having a great time and everything you know what i mean so you don't have to know everything to still play a fun successful game and in the games that i've run so far like i ran the beginner's box for two groups at the same time which was kind of but like the games that i've run since then the players never talk about like yeah that combat was great it's like oh man i can't believe that they just double crossed us like it's yeah yeah, it's never the combat it's the like it's the story which Mm -hmm. is for most groups maybe not the ones where you sit down and you're like oh this group is terrible i need to leave (laughs) because those are the groups that are like we're gonna do this combat perfectly yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah, for a lot of groups and for a lot of what I see online, the people who are really enthusiastic about the game, who like, it's more than just a hobby. They really love it. Mm -hmm. It's because of the stories that it's not, we sat down and we rolled dice and we killed some things. It was, we saved a goddamn kingdom. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So, um, tomorrow, speaking of like random things that we're going to remember tomorrow, we're, um, I'm playing my game, uh, a game that I'm a player in. Hooray. I get to do that sometimes. (laughs) Um, no, I get to do it. Uh, my little Apple John runs it for us, and it's wonderful. Um, so at the end of last session, one of our players started turning into a black dragon. An oh. adult black dragon. I'm sorry, what? Um, also, one of our other players discovered a helmet which pilots a giant construct guard. So we are going to have a mech versus dragon fight. <laughs> Am I going to remember in a couple of years how the mechanics worked? Probably not. Am I going to care? Probably not. What I'm going to remember is... My friend Ryan playing his character Brian punching our friend our Jermaine who has turned into a black dragon in the goddamn face. <laughs> the stories that come out of this game, like you know, people think of D and D and they think of like, oh yeah, Tolkien esque fantasy. It's you know, orcs and dwarves and goblins and whatnot. And then you hear some of the stories that come out of people's campaigns where it's like, yeah, we fought an eldritch god that was bigger than the, and we won. <laughs> Because we punched it in the face a bunch. Or one of our party members turned into a dragon. Or just the the weird things that not just DMs come up with, but the weird-ass reactions that players have. Yeah. I think, like, for me, like, part of the fun is the world building, like, a story and plot hooks and stuff. But when the players do something where it's just like, okay, that was awesome. I now have to throw out half of what I came up with because you've completely changed the tone of this campaign. Those are the best parts. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, like, 
sometimes the best moments in games come with things you have to just completely make up on the spot like kind of tying to your point like i was running on wednesday and i i just happened to need an npc that was essentially a cab driver and i was like okay yeah there was this blue tiefling who's having a cigarette and they're like we're gonna try and get out of paying our fare by just inviting her to the grand opening of the thing do i have to roll for it i'm like we'll talk talk to her first and then they <laughs> talked and i'm like yeah she just agrees because she's just a cab driver and doesn't give a shit and you've invited her to a party where you're gonna give her free drinks yeah she's totally on board with this it's i'm in the group that i'm i'm dming for um so one of the players has never played d ever before and the stuff that she comes up with again because she doesn't really have a grasp of the rules is like okay it's your turn attack she's like oh well can i do this instead like she she wanted to like basically shield surf down the stairs and like do something else is one other time she's like you know can i do stuff like this it's like you can do whatever you want all you have to do is roll sort of thing so everyone else is kind of like they know now you attack now you make your you movement this kind of thing and the stuff she comes up with sometimes it's like this is great because you you've nothing holding you back i guess and i've noticed that as well like i recently ran at a friend's birthday party i did a, a one shot that I, the mystery of the disappearing prince where there was just a bunch of people who had been polymorphed into a prince and then kidnapped and like they were trying to figure out who real prince and yeah but i was playing there i was running it for six people and three of them had never played and the new people like once they kind of got into the hang of like okay we're role playing sometimes some dice the, yeah new players are amazing because they're not thinking in terms of D D. Yeah. they're thinking in terms of like well this is a fantasy i'm gonna do awesome yeah and like that's great <laughs> It's super fun. New players too, because they'll they'll get more experienced players out of the kind of the wash, rinse, repeat of combat. Mm-hmm. And so when they're like, oh, oh, Sylvia is like shield surfing down this set of stairs. <laughs> I want to do something like that. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something that I've definitely noticed playing. I mean, I haven't been DMing for a long time, but watching people play and seeing just the stuff that, that, yeah, sometimes somebody gets stuck in a rut of like, okay, it's combat. Cool. Once my initiative turn, I'm going to do my class thing. And then it's like, wait, they just, they just, they, they just did that. Oh my God. I need to hide. (laughs) I had a great moment too, where I, you know, this isn't, I wasn't necessarily thinking, but I have um, a character, again, who's a a tabaxi, the cat. And so they were in town, whatever, talking to somebody and their character was trying to find out some information. And the the character that I was playing as um, said, well, you know, I'll talk to you when you get back after like whatever, but uh, we'll hold a big like party kind of thing. You know, we'll have a feast in your honor if you guys can do this sort of thing. And they were like, do you mean a fancy feast? And we all died. So now it's turned into this big thing where it's a fancy feast for this cat. <laughs> so stuff like, you know, you just got to kind of roll with it. It's, it's great. The, the, the stupid in-jokes and the silly things that happen. <laughs> like that's, I think, yeah, that's one of the many reasons that people just keep coming back to, to play more sessions. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we did something really silly last, last week and I want to see what our DM comes up with it. <laughs> To, to to push back against us breaking this world. Um, oh. What kind of situation, like, leads me to a good question is when you, you guys have been running a game and your players have done something, give me no, t- half an hour to figure out what's next. Like, when they do something really unexpected mm-hmm. um, and you have to come up with a response, like, do you have any examples of just weird things that your players have done and, and the response that you've had to come up with or just things that you do to try and like paper over the fact that you have no idea what text That's like for for, uh, for example uh, while you guys are, th- are thinking um in the the campaign that i'm running now i've got three players and they're all magic got a bard a sorcerer and the sorcerer has got mold or and in one of the sessions my plan was it would lead up towards this first confrontation with a dryad they finally get to meet this dryad who's been basically harassing them with plant monsters and they were running through the forest and they realized the dryad was getting and so the sorcerer goes cool i'm gonna use my cantrip mold earth i'm going to use twice to create a 10 foot deep hole we're going to clamber down in and i'm going to use it to cover the hole i'm like okay yeah the dryad loses track of you because you're now 10 feet underground (laughs) so let's make this a tense moment where like they're trying to hear if she's like finding where they are like i played up the tenseness of it while i was trying to think of what to do next but like that was a situation where it's like yes you have solved my chase puzzle cool (laughs) moving on um okay if it's a situation where whatever is happening they're trying to circumvent it but it needs to happen to further like your plot of it then i will 
you know, again, depending on the rules kind of thing, because, you know, you can succeed at anything if you roll well enough, in my opinion, but there's going to be consequences. So I try to put those in, but I'm still going to reintroduce that plot hook, like either immediately after or, you know, what I mean? because you, you, you can't let it go off the rails too much sort of thing. Like, yes, it is an open world, but if there is a specific, because, you know, what I mean, if, if your goal is to defeat this thing for, you know, the specific part of it and then they just want to leave, it's like, well, that's have to, though, because it's the game. So it's for me just trying to figure out, OK, how can I reintroduce that quickly enough? You know, so like if they were hiding underground, so, you know, so, yeah, they've escaped this person. But at the same time, well, maybe they didn't realize that upon losing the trail, this person just immediately camped out in this tree, hoping that their trail would resurface, you know, something like that. So. See- it depends what you're going for with the story. If it's like you can completely abandon that and they can move on to the next town or do whatever you want, then it doesn't really matter. I had kind of a, like my fix was basically they're on an island half the size of Vancouver Island. So mm-hmm. like she'll find them again. Oh, yeah. So she'll still be there. The the idea of, well, she lost the trail, so she's going to camp out in this tree. Oh, my God. <laughs> had I done that, I would have fixed so many problems. I mean, I have uh, another idea that you could have used. She's a dryad, right? So trees have complex root stru- structures. Yeah, I was, I was thinking of that as I was retelling it, being like, oh, "There's roots they could have." Do- oh, eh. but like on the other hand, it's tricky because you want to reward your players for thinking of a yeah, clever solution. For being very smart. So like, what I may have done in the moment was like have her like have them kind of figure out that she's using the structures to look for them, and like have her be able to talk at them while maybe not knowing where they are to like kind of threaten them and like make it more tense. But ultimately still give them the win of like a clever way to hide from. Yeah, because that's one of the things that I, I really enjoy doing is when the players do something clever, even if it throws me completely off my game, I want to reward it. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. you did something smart. I don't want to shut you down and be like, no, that was dumb. Do what the rules say. It's yeah. like, <laughs> no, you made an awesome story moment that we're going to remember. Mm-hmm. If I shut it down, you're just going to think I'm a dick. Yeah. So, yeah, you did something awesome. So, cool. Bravo. Uh, Okay. So, I have an example that didn't throw... So, my players are really good for just following whatever the plot is, which is great. But where they constantly throw me off is social interactions. Um, Because, like, they will just ask questions to a a character and I'll just be like, how would someone answer that? (laughs) Uh, So, I've got two, two quick examples. One, I have a shopkeeper who is this like magical talking octopus who like lives lives in a tank in the middle of a store and like reaches out in hands so i'm stealing that yeah please <laughs> uh that and that's actually like kind of a copy of a librarian character i used to have who was a roper who did a similar thing with the books in his library um it's a theme that i like to repeat in my games i guess <laughs> i'm getting like li- discworld librarian vibes yes yes exactly <laughs> um so the thing about my game is I'm running the Portal Fantasy game where, like, it's an alternate dimension that's kind of reflective of theirs. So uh, the one character's family owns the real-world alternative to this shop. So he shows it up and is kind of, like, disgusted with how it's decorated, which is to say, not at all. <laughs> because he's an octopus who just lives in a tank in the middle mm-hmm. of this wooden store and he just, like, hands people things off shelves. And I have to, like, wave my arms the whole time I'm voicing him because... It, they enjoy it a lot <laughs> they laugh constantly um so the player's just like oh well no this won't do this is still reflective of my family's store so i'm gonna give you redecoration ideas and like he's i was like why would how would someone react? because he's he's a friendly npc i don't want to make the one shopkeeper they they have uh, an enemy that easily um, unless they do something egregious oh okay yeah and he'll be like he was like, yes, yes, no, this is this is very interesting to me. I'm, I'm very interested in this. Like, if you do this for me, I will give you something. Like, I will, like, yeah, you know what? You, you came at an odd angle at this NPC, and he's going to reward you for it. Or I'm going to reward you for it through him. <laughs> um, and the other one they had is, in the real world, there are high school students. So I, I kind of, we made this, like... I sometimes make NPCs with my players to like help populate the world, and also because like I, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have always the best imagination for thinking of like specific NPCs, especially real world ones. I've found, <laughs> um, so I'm like, okay, we need some sort of antagonist for your characters who is a student or a teacher at the school, and we ended up making kind of like a rich girl, mean girl kind of character, which you know ties in well because two of the characters are also rich, so it's like this this weird thing. So this girl who thinks she's in a love triangle. With these other two who are completely disinterested in her. Um, and I, I have to now think of like some ways to make the character deeper. But um, I tried to interact with them. And of course, they are much better at being mean 
to her than I am at being like <laughs> voicing a mean character because I, I don't have it in me. <laughs> Especially like a mean teenage girl, kind of like specific from a teen comedy kind of thing. Like I just don't have it. Right. So, so I had this thing where they were just like being mean to her, and I was like, I don't know how to respond. Like I don't know how to do it because the character wouldn't really be that taken aback. But me, Jesse, is, and I can't think past it. And so I, we, we essentially had to sort of narrate the conversation as opposed to actually have it. But it's been this, like, ongoing thing where now, like, she mostly just gives them disapproving glares from across <laughs> the cafeteria and stuff like that. Yeah, sometimes being the person in charge of all the NPCs means that you end up saying stuff like, No, you're stupid! Like, <laughs> <laughs> Because you like you're trying to remember what this character is, and the, you've got you're dealing with five, you know, a bunch of players who only have to focus on their character, and then they'll like turn around and say something to another NPC, and it's like I'm not in that NPC's head. Uh, uh. <laughs> well, see, this this was more embarrassing because I'm like they're gonna have an interaction with this NPC. She's gonna be mean, and then I just completely <laughs> dropped the ball. <laughs> I had my players tease me once. Um, I, this is a little off topic, but um, so I have a habit of uh, giving all of my NPCs good Christian names <laughs> instead of like, you know, it's like, this is a goblin named Trevor. <laughs> so they would give me shit about this all the time. So I was like, you know what? Fine. The next person they met, he was a necromancer that had like a, an army of like 15 zombies. Every single one of them was named Patricia and he had his favorite Patricia and his least favorite Patricia and they had to figure figure out which ones were which. I was like, you know, you're going to tease me about this. This is what you get. So I always have a Trevor also that they end up killing every time. <laughs> Trevor, no! Yeah. That reminds me of the Ice King from uh, Adventure Time. Gunter. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know. When I'm thinking of goblins, I, it's not like Snorglap or whatever I just come up with. See, but this, this, this leads me to the idea of running a game where all the monsters, like the monsters and like the goblins and all those are all named like Trevor and Noah and Simon or whatever. <laughs> but like all of the human NPCs like are all named like something really ridiculous. Like you get ridiculous fantasy names. Yeah. <laughs> um, only only for, for the humans in the city or the townsfolk. <laughs> You know, just the regular farm folk. But, you know, one of them's named Andraste. And <laughs> uh, this made me think of something that I saw online where somebody pointed out, like, in their in their world, ha um, halflings are, uh, they don't breed as fast as the other races, but they're they, they love big families, and so they're huge on adoption. And That's awesome, yeah. when they adopt, like, they'll adopt from any race um, because they just want to have big families. And they're so good at raising halfling children like no matter what race you are you become a halfling child um so they're talking about like you know what if you had a like an orc that was raised by a halfling it's like oh no dearie me i'm horrible with a sword but i i'm an excellent baker <laughs> <laughs> like like the personality of like the hobbits from the lord of the rings but in an orc yeah. or a bugbear yeah <laughs> i mean Haley is actually playing a bugbear that is essentially that um Though not like raised by halflings, but is very like nice and polite and stuff like that. Um, I'm stealing that idea. It's mine now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that's one of the things. Like the things that I love the most are about D and D is taking those all the the tropes that are associated with fantasy and just going. But what if not? Yeah. Like, what if you had a paladin that was just a mean bastard who happened to work for just you know the good god mm -hmm. and. I mean, that's like the common stereotypes of a PC paladins, though. <laughs> or like, well, or like, it was. Or um, what's his face from Game of Thrones? The the old guy who goes to be Daenerys's. He's Sir Baron, the old guy. I can't Baris remember. Oh, yeah, Barris. Oh yeah, Barris. Like you know, like somebody who's just like he he does his job. He's good at it. He's not particularly good. He's not particularly bad. He's just like this is the right thing to do. I'm just gonna yeah. do it. And I've had other ideas of like. A druid who grew up in a city, so he's a swamp druid, but he hates them. <laughs> uh, I love I love rangers with a similar thing. They're like, I'm a city ranger. I love the city. What the hell is a forest? What <laughs> what is this? Why are there so many trees? I hate it. 
But yeah, like I've seen I've seen threads on on Reddit of people coming up with these kind of character ideas, and I just I love all of those ideas. That's like those like random role, uh, gen, like character generators are fun too, because sometimes you get like really weird combinations. Because that's what um I get. I think when we met um, at VanCap, I had that zine that was you know just like random character and drawings that you could. So and that's how I came up with all of them. I just did random roles, tried to draw it, and then you know people could write whatever they need. Because sometimes you need stuff like that in a pinch. But another thing that I do is if they like i go to the town who do i see i'm like lady carrying something like okay i'm gonna go I'm like, okay i need a personality what's like someone that i can come up with the first like the dude this person is the dude from big lebowski that is how i'm acting this character for them and that's how i'll play them for that interaction i actually it, it made me think because i've got a uh, when I was coming up with my homebrew world, because I spent way too much time putting this all together, I have uh, a table of first and last name for the various races. So, because the like the orcs in my world are more Vikingish, so I've got Vikingish kind of names, all the orcs, first and last names, and for the gnomes, I've got first names and clan names and all this kind of stuff. And I was just thinking, I need to come up with a table for personalities, like mix and match, like mm-hmm. this and this, like you pick something but i was just thinking in this in the in the last episode that we recorded or last weekend um, we were talking about tools and one of the ones that i brought up is a site called uh who the fuck is my character oh yeah i've seen that one <laughs> and it's it's amazing but i was just thinking like what if you had something like that like take that and rpg tinker and like mix in a little bit of that like famous movie characters yeah so you get like you get some you get a quick stat block you get a weird name and like who is this character like mm-hmm. you know like the dude from big lebowski in the batman universe yeah, right. <laughs> but i mean it gives you like a loose guide so you know okay i know how to play this character for this you know if it's someone you haven't thought out past that so you need an archetype done yeah man dms who can do that straight off of the top of their head are amazing to me because oh, like usually when i need to make one up and i don't have time to like quickly open a generator or something like that i'm always like well they're kind of uh cynical and put upon but ultimately helpful so what i'm saying is they're just me (laughs) i mean one of the things i want to do is i'm going to steal from avatar the last airbender the the show that unfortunately never had a movie Um, (laughs) that's right it did not (laughs) never um the from the the third season uh one of the one of the first few episodes in the third season where they they go to that town that's on the river mm-hmm. and every store they go to is run by various quote unquote brothers. Oh, <laughs> right. And because my players are in this island chain that has been pretty much completely overgrown and there's going to be, there are going to be villages and stuff, but it's going to be that kind of like, these are very isolated villages. And one of them is just going to be a village of many fine folk who are all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and he's going to have like, I was thinking he'd have tunnels underground so that like, <laughs> For when people finally do show up, he can like, oh, you want to, oh, you want some shields? Well, go talk to my my brother Jim over in the the shield store. And like, as soon as they like turn or go around, it's like, and you hear this weird clattering. And then when you get into the shield store, there's someone who looks very weirdly like John, uh, who introduces himself as Jim, a little bit sweaty. Uh, Wearing a mu- an obviously fake mustache. Or, or just like different hats or something. Just, just play that up until like, and see how my players react to it. But just... Those kind of silly things. Yeah, yeah but you know what's fun about this, especially since it's D and D, and it's like your mad your setting is a high magic setting, right? Uh, it's it's sort becoming of. a high magic setting. Be- becoming high magic, yes. As the players fix the world, yeah, he can just be cursed. He can literally like teleport back and forth because of the nature of the curse and maybe he's like bound to the buildings but can't go outside or i don't know like you can do so many weird things with it because like there are no actual hard and fast rules to like how magic works in general uh like outside of like combat magic so yeah somebody can have a weird curse so maybe he legitimately thinks he's all these but he's obviously not to the players or something like that yeah i uh but that might be that might be more complicated. Well, I, I just like, like the, the I like idea, these kind of dumb ideas. The idea of it being a curse, I think, is because like the one thing that I don't want to do with this is like make light of a mental illness, mm-hmm. right? So it being a curse actually works a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, he can also just be a weird dude. Yeah, <laughs> like that's, he's that's been fine. like he's going to be the only person in this village. So he's been on his own for God knows how long. So maybe that's just him trying to reinvent himself and whichever one they react to the best. That's who he's going to be from this oh. day forward. Oh, no, I like. So like, I think the classic thing would 
do is like he's so lonely that he's like kind of losing himself you could take it the alternate way where he loves this like this is so <laughs> funny to him play it as a little bit of a trickster where he's just like i wonder how long it'll take them to catch on yeah or to say anything yeah because that's it's it's like the thing of the the psychology experiment where you walk into an elevator and you face the wrong way and you just wait to see how long it takes somebody to say like <laughs> what are you doing because apparently it's an actual experiment because apparently it makes people super uncomfortable uh, yeah <laughs> but like or play it up as like he's doing he's he's just like a weird lost wizard who's doing psychology experiments experiments like there's one i can't remember what it's called but it's like it has to do with like face blindness and stuff where um like in the middle of a conversation there's this thing uh, this experiment that was done where um you know somebody would come in to talk to a secretary about an appointment and then while they were talking to them like the moment that they looked away they'd be like oh here can you go uh, can you just like take a look at this this clipboard to like fill out a farmer's and while they're focused on the clipboard the secretary person would just like duck down and a different person would come up but they'd be dressed the same mm-hmm. and it'd be obviously a different person but like the people you don't notice it when it happens yeah. or or if you do notice it you're just like <laughs> but just like it's this weird old wizard who's running psychology experiments it's just that there's nobody oh around God. he's been waiting he's been waiting for this moment just for the party <laughs> so we've just helped you do world building yeah that's yeah. been fun uh what were we talking about i mean dungeons the- and dragons the general thrust has just been we don't know what we're doing so yeah so just make shit up and act like you know what you're doing yeah or, i like making my character uh, my players roll a lot too yeah. just for like no reason and they get really worried about it see that's that's the thing i consider doing but i think it would act actually stress my players out too much <laughs> I mean, the, the the alternative, like, I think I did this once where they were in, oh, yeah, there was, um, uh, in the previous campaign, there was a, uh, a mansion that they had to go to because they were trying to, like, as a little side quest mercenary gig, um, somebody was going to pay them to go and get the, the deed for this mansion in the land that it was because this, like, their great grandfather, who was a gnome, had, like, cut the the extended family out of the will because it turns out that they had all been dicks to him um but what he did is because he was a master woodcarver he had just kept extending the mansion but he had filled it with traps and so to raise tension what i did was like uh i like when they walked in the door there was a trap so like it was basically just a pit trap and so it's like okay roll dexterity like oh we just walk into the the front door roll dexterity and like introduce them to this place is full of traps, yo. But then after that, once they knew that there were traps and they're like trying to be careful, they'd be like, okay, I'm going to walk up the stairs. Cool. Roll a dexterity check. Like, there was no trap there, but just the idea of like, what happens if I fail? Like, I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> but just like, like rolling is just like, the, and the way that I did it was that like, as you step up the stairs, you hear a creak as your foot uh, touches the, the fifth stair up. Roll a dexterity save. And then they roll. It's like, oh, it's just a creaky floor. <laughs> <laughs> and just like by the end, like there was three floors to this mansion, a main floor, a top floor and a basement. And by the time they finally got into the basement, which is where like the will was, they were just like, oh, my God, Sean, stop. <laughs> and it was great. So um, not at all related to this, but sort of related to this. Um, I had the and I think we've talked about this before, but I had the realization the other day that if uh Somebody fails an um, a um, insight check against somebody, but the person is telling the truth. They might think that they're lying. And that's just like a thing I realized at the table, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to do this all the time now." <laughs> well, one of the things that I I like doing on on roll twenty is I've set up, uh, and it's one of the things that you could do around a table. You just it takes a little bit more work, but with roll twenty, I've set up a couple of macros where I can immediately roll everybody's active perception, but only I see the results. And and the same thing for like insight checks yeah. so that instead of asking them to roll i just roll their characters perception so i do something similar to that where i have like a chart of everybody's and i will just roll, tell them like you've seen stories. so it's the same idea because because yeah. the thing that i find with perception insight and like history checks and like the not the in combat stuff but the we're exploring a castle or we're talking to somebody is that when they know what the result is like if they roll a perception and they get a one it's like you don't see anything it's like okay sure yeah i don't see anything <laughs> but it's like if 
if you roll for them, they don't know what they rolled. So they just kind of have to take, especially for insight history, where it's like, oh, I'm going to go and do some research in the library about the this castle. And it's like, you roll for them and they roll, they, they, they roll terribly. It's like, oh yeah, this castle was once home to a vampire. So <laughs> what are you going to do about that? And it's just like, it turns out that no, they were reading the wrong book. <laughs> I... I love that idea, and I think it might be the most controversial one anyone has said on this podcast, because well, I know some people really push back against the idea of that. Yeah, because it, it is a little bit taking away player agency, but at the same time, I feel like it's, if a player knows that they rolled bad, like, to me, that's where the, oh, I'm also going to, whereas if... Yeah, that. and then everyone wants to do it to solve the problem. Like, sometimes you can't solve every problem. Sometimes you're going to miss that treasure, you're going to whatever right so you can't give them unlimited chance no this is this is interesting to me i think i might try and experiment a bit with that for socials like like get everybody's stats and have them tell me when they want to roll but me just tell them what the result is what like the perceived result is because i think that might because because that that is the the kind of the thing is that you know it's kind of a video gamey thing to know how well you did Mm -hmm. at something whereas like if you're actually talking to somebody and you're like would you please tell me about the thing that you've done recently and they tell you something you don't know if they're being facetious you don't know if they're long teeth you don't know Mm -hmm. if they're just inflating a little bit how awesome it was or what you kind of just have to figure out based on things that you know content clues all that kind of stuff all of that i mean it can kind of suck if you're not great at presenting those social cues but something else that i i try to think um like for the social kind of roles you know where if um like again the the newer player in my in my game uh she's playing one of the fish people i can't remember i'm sorry i'm off the top of my head but um neither can i yeah it doesn't matter (laughs) but again so he's he's a fish man and anyway so they were in he's the smartest one of all of them and they're in this house looking at this book um about plants and she rolled really high about you know like which plants are poisonous to humans kind of thing and so a success would be she knows exactly which plants are going to poison this other person who's about to eat this plant but she's a fish man she doesn't understand humans really though so this knowledge doesn't necessarily make as much sense to her as it would to someone else so it is a victory but personally you still need to kind of like craft it to that character you know because she doesn't understand that so i I think they still end up getting poisoned it's like like the zoidberg thing of like yeah yes thank you oh no you've got fin rot (laughs) yeah like this is their first time seeing people they don't understand that is actually something that i think is a, a like logically makes a lot of sense that i've never really seen that often like i've seen it around social stuff like you know you grew up in a hobgoblin tribe you maybe don't understand the social like balance between humans you, but like yeah it would make sense that someone who is really only concerned about what they can't eat might yeah, not be worried about exactly. especially if they're not in like an urban <laughs> setting where everybody like lives yeah in like the same I'm, area. I'm not setting up my characters or my players like you saying characters i'm not setting up the characters in my group to fail but you still want to make it interesting and personal and I, like specifically to new players too because you, know, you gotta hook them right <laughs> like you need to make it about them a little bit at uh, the start so they understand yeah boo, i'm leaving <laughs> <laughs> sean sean good job <laughs> i just wish i was better at coming up with them on the fly would you call yourself a pun master i would i, I gotta go <laughs> one of my favorite things is when i manage to get a pun into a game and the players just look at me and they're just like i hate you so much right now and i'm like yes i bask in your hatred <laughs> but anyways how much time are we at I think that's a good place to wrap up. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so much fun talking yeah, to you. Thanks great. for coming on. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Which just goes to show we need to do more of these episodes where we're like, we just kinda have a vague topic to go. <laughs> I just yeah, you know, like just have fun. Rules don't matter. Live your yeah. life. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, really quick before we go one last thing with the like kind of messing with players because we were just talking about puns which is the best way to mess with your players um but one of the things that i really want to do is run a campaign where sanity is a thing Mm -hmm. and the way that it works is that as they lose sanity i give them dice that have money sides What? (laughs) because there are dice that have like i found a site that has dice from like from one to 50 sides okay and like 
if they're supposed like as they lose sanity it's like oh here's a d7 or <laughs> or here's a d19 or here's that a d22 great. i would also really like to get tricked like you know in a situation where it's not i'm trying to cheat them but it's for the players have to figure out that this person that they're rolling against is you trick dice i would love to have those for a character oh my god <laughs> Playing against like a bard or a sorcerer whose whole power is like change, like main focus is changing probability, and then using yeah, trick dice for them so and fun. seeing how long <laughs> it takes for them to figure it out. I think a lot of groups wouldn't. Not actually, they would jokingly figure it out. <laughs> I, you talking about a sorcerer whose whole power is changing probability? For some reason, made me think that the Batman repertoire of villains, his rogues gallery, and same with the Flash, like Calendar Man, and like all these just weird ass <laughs> villains would make good D&D villains. Oh, hell yeah. Put that on your chart, right? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> uh, so we usually ask a question at the end, which is, uh, no, we can just do a more general piece of advice. So um, our kind of traditional ending question is, um, if you could, you know, uh, jump in a time machine, go back in time to the first time you run, what's a piece of advice? You- um... <laughs> Uh, I, you know, like, don't read the Dungeon Master's Guide as many times as you did, because you're not going to remember it anyway, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, some, when I first started, I would get really stressed out about, like, everybody needs to have fun. They have to have fun. And if I don't know everything, they're not going to have fun. And then after two sessions, I was like, Mom, it's fine. <laughs> so, you know, I guess that. <laughs> yeah, I bet you they were having less fun when you were stressing out about worrying if they were having fun. <laughs> yeah. Because... You probably weren't having fun. No. And then they picked up on that. Yeah. And they think that, oh, no, we're doing something wrong. No, I'm just being an idiot. That's a lesson I had to learn, actually. That's a a really good piece of advice. (laughs) All right. Rosemary, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you? Uh, You can find me online at um, rosemarytrevalley.ca. Like Instagram, Twitter, all that is Trevalley. Yeah. Also, I have a YouTube channel where I make like a dungeon master crafts and stuff kind of thing too that I've been putting stuff on. I should have mentioned. That I sooner. watched that dice so, box when you posted a while ago, yeah, and now I kind of want to get. I was like, I should do this, and then I I was looking through Michael's and I found one of those. I think they're like sewing boxes, but it's like the big box with a clear lid and just a bunch of individual like spaces. And now I'm probably nice. just gonna buy one of those. Yeah, I love customizing stuff and having like shit to my hobbies. So. <laughs> Yes. I should have asked if I was allowed to swear before I started. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this I'm is so all sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I One of my favorite moments was somebody at the start asking, is it okay if I swear? Like, Go fucking right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for coming thank on. You. This, this has been great. fantastic. It was really yes. fun. Yeah. And uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. And have a great day. Tell go your friends. Go, go listen look, to some promos. <laughs> yeah, go look at Rosemary's art. And if, if you're at a, if you're somewhere near, like, are you going to Kansas here? Yeah, oh, this I, w- is gonna, I will be at Kansas. This is coming out after Kansas. Damn it. <laughs> oh, um, it, well, um, Art Breakers, I think, is after Kansas. And okay. I'll be at that. So. All right. I don't know. You can but, edit this around. Yeah. yeah. Check, check if Rosemary. I'm around. Yeah. If, you're, if you're in the Pacific Northwest, check if Rosemary is going to be at a con near you. And go and buy her NPC zine. Because I have one of them. And they're cool. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Our art is done by the wonderful Haley Boros. Our theme music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod. You can find us on social media at, at DMs of Vancouver and also on Facebook. Uh, you can find this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and t- tell your friends about the show. Word of mouth really helps shows like ours grow and find an audience. And we're also part of the Cave Goblin Network. You can find our shows and many others at cavegoblins.com. And you can support us and the rest of the network at patreon.com slash cavegoblins. Doug Vandalay here for Comedy Zeitgeist on the Cave Goblin Network. Each week I sit down with a comedian to talk about their career and their comedic influences. Learn about your favorite comedians talking about their favorite comedians. That's Comedy Zeitgeist on the Cave Goblin Network. Hey there, lovely listeners. I'm Talia Murdoch, and I'm here to tell you about my show, Everything Economics. Every week, I talk about the world around you, specific social and economic issues, and dive into how fantasy realms would work in real life. That's Everything Economics on the Cave Goblin Network. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.